Welcome to Coffee Break with Trail Youth. This series called The Heart of the Home reveals the story behind the story of the starting of Trail Youth. Discover the heart and the philosophy of Trail Youth Coffee Home. Welcome to Coffee Break with Trail Youth. This is Kristen Saray, the director and founder of Trail Youth Coffee Home. I'm going to be introducing our new series, Heart of the Home, and I'm going to give you the background of Trail Youth, of how we were formed. And I know people know, you know, the general story of everything, but what people don't know is the personal story behind it and how Trail Youth actually came, yeah, came into existence here. So throughout this series, you know, I'm, I'm launching this one. I'm going to share you, going to share with you my personal story, so that way you can understand better the philosophy of Trail Youth, and that's why we call it the heart of the home because it's the coffee home, and it's just our philosophy uh, surrounding it and how we operate on a day-to-day -day basis and our mission and our goals for the youth, and not just for the youth, but for the community of bringing restoration and healing and affirmations. So anyways, let me get on with it. I was born in LA, but my parents uh, moved to New Hampshire when I was about one years old. So I grew up in beautiful New Hampshire, and it's basically a place where time stands still. What I mean by that is I actually went back there, I think about two years ago, to show my kids where I grew up. And to my shock, basically nothing changed. My house looked the same. The streets looked the same. I mean, everything was the same. And I was like, oh my goodness, have they not, you know, changed in these past 25 years? It was really fun because my kids got to really experience what I grew up in and this beautiful environment where everything was old. And, and part of it, you also felt like you were still back in the revolutionary time period because some of the houses had that colonial style houses, live free or die. And they still had like the Betsy Ross flags hanging and they're just like mom we really understand you a whole lot better now so it's fun it was fun growing up with the four seasons it was it was beautiful and have a lot of good memories uh, coming back you know to New Hampshire and things that I can now now appreciate that I'm now that I'm older not only growing up in New Hampshire in that rural environment uh, in which it was kind of like you were already in a bubble because every town was at least 20 minutes away. So friends were at least 20 minutes away from each other. They weren't just right down the street or right down the block. The mall was um, an hour and a half to two hours away. So being a typical teenager that likes to go and hang out just wasn't really an option back then in New Hampshire. Well, I also went to a very small school. So we had about 100 people from kindergarten to 12th grade. So we were just one, quote, big, happy family. My dad eventually became like the dean of discipline of the school and then eventually the principal of the school. And my mom also worked at the school. You know, growing up, it, it provided a very um, consistent family life and consistent schedule. We all got up at the same time. We all went to the school at the same place and we all came back. So it was very simple. But while at school, it was like living life in a, a goldfish bowl because of that, because I was the teacher's kid and the principal's kid and the expectations 
I felt just seemed to be higher because of that. And the standards for me had to be higher. And, you know, I, I'll never forget like when, you know, kids would always talk in class. Well, this one time I whispered to a friend because I missed what the assignment was. And I said, hey, what, what did he just say? What was the assignment? And the teacher looked at me and he's like, you're talking in class. And he made such a big deal out of it. And I'm just like, why are you singling me out when every other kid here talks in class? You don't say anything. You know, what's the deal with that? And because of that, it just became very, very isolating. Along with that, I was the good kid in which when new kids came in, teachers would say, hey, can you go and befriend her? And I would befriend her and maybe we would become friends. But then they would soon realize that in order to be friends with Kristen was having kind of a target on your back or you had to live above the standard perfect and eventually they just quit being friends so they would fade away and of course there was never any hey Kristen I'm not going to be friends with you anymore so there was never a conclusion it was just rejection abandonment all of that just started building within me a lot of distrust of people a lot of distrust in relationships I guess abandonment type issues I just didn't trust people to stick around at all and so basically if it was hard for me to really rely on anyone or be friends with anybody for that matter because eventually I just threw up this big wall and just didn't really want anybody to come in because it was just gonna be too painful then of course there are the labels that are being, you know, that I had put on me. I remember my third grade year, I was so excited. I had dreams of becoming like a concert pianist and being really good. And I was going to finally learn piano. So my first day of piano lessons, I came to the teacher. Her kids went to the school. Again, it was like this one big happy, quote, happy family. I sat down with her and she looked at me and she said, Kristen, you're never going to be as good as my daughters at piano. So don't even try. Wow. Okay. That was my introduction to piano piano lessons. And I don't know why I just didn't get up from the piano bench at that time and just say, you know, forget it. I'm never doing this again. But I was so hurt and so devastated. And that just stayed with me for a long time. I continued with piano until I graduated. I was never good enough. That standard was already set in place before I even played my first note that I was not good enough and I would never be good enough for it. So again, more trust issues. People you know, making fun of me because of my gentle style, my soft voice, um, putting me down for different uh, dreams that I wanted to do. Sometimes I talked about law enforcement or journalism. I really wanted to be more correspondent, be there in the action, um, being a nurse. Everything that I wanted to do was basically put down and made fun of. So there wasn't a lot of purpose handed to me by my peers. Not a lot of faith in, hey, you can do this. There was one day, though, in which a girl came up to me, a very popular girl, by the way. She came up to me. I was all alone. And out of the blue, she said, Kristen, you're a leader. And then she walked away. I looked at her and I was like, who on earth is she talking to? Because it certainly couldn't be me, but there was nobody else in the room. And that stuck with me. I don't know what she saw. I was this timid, shy, young girl. And she was telling me that I I was a leader but that stuck with me and that changed the way I saw myself as that positive affirmation and I thought could it be possible that I actually could lead something and then a few years
years later for my senior year, for whatever reason, I don't know what possessed me, but I decided to do a speaking part. And I was the only person that had the speaking part. And I rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And then I got up that night and I did my my part and had no idea how I did. But someone walked up to me afterwards and Kristen said, Kristen, you're a wonderful speaker. Have you thought of pursuing that? I about fell over because I had made a vow to myself that I would never go to a school that would force me to have to take speech classes. Turns out I ended up taking four years of speech class because that was my minor. Again, I'm not too sure what I was thinking on that, but it, it served me well. It helped break me out of the my wall and my barriers. But those two affirmations planted a seed within me and it just took those two things to help me pursue, help me think that of life outside of what I was seeing. So anyways, I grew up, I graduated, I was so excited to graduate because I just wanted a new start, a fresh start, new labels I was hoping. And I went off to college. College wasn't that great either. And for me, I'm a person of faith. And so uh, having God's love and Jesus's love on me and understanding that is extremely important. But the sad thing is, is when I went to graduate from college, I even distrusted that because how do I say this nicely? It was very sexist type college. And so I began believing that God couldn't love me just because of my gender. And that really shattered me. It, it just shattered me. But there was a tiny sliver of me that still had to hang on to the point of, okay, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that that does include me. But then the other part of me was like, ah, there's one exception, not with you, Kristen. <laughs> you know? So I was very bothered by this. And, and again, now starting to question even my faith when I graduated. But I still held hope that that was not true and kept on going. Unfortunately, working for several bosses that were not gender friendly um, just added to more of the negative labels and the abuse that I felt. I'll just share with you some of the, the labels that were given to me. Um, I'm emotional. Somebody even thought I was a bully. I'm still trying to understand where that one came from. Uh, I'm bottom rung, and I'll share that story later with you in another episode. I'm cold and emotionless. So one, I'm emotional, and then another, I have no emotions uh, and stupid. So even just sharing that out loud and saying that out loud, just um, I can just feel the shame coming over me right now. And it's embarrassing to admit out loud, but I have to remind myself to remember who the people were that placed those labels on me and to understand that those labels are not true. They are not true about me. That is not who I am. So after a while, though, unfortunately, those labels, if, if you're bombarded by these labels on a constant basis, then eventually your mind begins to think, well, enough people said it for enough, enough times here. It must be true. This is who you are and there's nothing you can ever do. And I just felt like for years and years, I worked so hard trying to gain people's approval and trying to gain people's love and trying to feel accepted and worthy and good enough that eventually it came to a breaking point of depression and, and, and unfortunately a very dark, dark time in which I began just believing that there is no hope for me. Um, there is no purpose for me and that the best thing that I could do for my family for even for my kids was to just remove myself from life um, because maybe my kids they would have an opportunity to be accepted I just started seeing everything through this you know clogged up filter to think that 
maybe I was the cause of the kids' problems, or I was the cause of my husband's problems, or, you know, it, it was me. And so if I was out of the picture, then everything would be rosy, and life would be so good, and people would be so loving towards our family. Those were just lies, but that's what happens when negative labeling goes unchecked, and they start becoming truth to the person that's receiving them. So at this time, at this dark period of time, a teenager that I knew brought my husband down to the Issaquah Rainier Trail. And there we saw uh, 20 to 25 year olds. They were homeless, they were doing drugs, um, there was some prostitution going on. And he looked at my husband and I and he's like, we gotta do something. And I'm just like, what? You know, I, I don't have any experience in, with this. But we saw them, we talked to them, and we began bringing donuts down to them to the trail. And we sat underneath the trees and we listened to their story. And they actually, they, they, they saved me. Honestly, I fell in love with them. When I looked at them, I saw me. You know, I saw a reflection of my inward self. I could see the rejection in their eyes. I could see the abandonment in their eyes. I could see all the negative labels in their eyes. And I saw the lack of hope in their eyes. And it was just a mirror to my soul. When I saw the words worthless and society's trash, it was, it was describing me and how I viewed myself. And so we, we were able to connect. And I just fell in love with them. And I just wanted to let them know that that's not true. At least one person in this world is going to take notice of you or two people, my husband and I, and we're going to value you and we're going to love you the way I needed to be loved and accepted. So we brought coffee and donuts down to them. We hung out with them. We would go to free meals on Fridays and have dinner with them and really just get to know them. And then a year later, Tanya and Wendy came and they joined up and they heard what we were doing and and then pretty soon the high school and middle school in Issaquah heard that there were free coffee and donuts and they came running down to the trail and we saw all sorts of wonderful, beautiful kids coming down, just mingling together, all the barriers broken down and it was for that common bond of feeling loved and valued and accepted and no judgment and, and no cliques and no groups. It, all the walls were broken down and it was, it was something so beautiful and it gave me hope again. It gave me a purpose again to continue on and then this dream that I had buried in forgotten about when I was a high schooler I had wanted to start like a home for for kids that just rose to the surface there and that ended up developing into the idea of a coffee home because of our coffee and donuts bringing it down to the trails so why not a coffee shop and then fast forward enter Mike Rowe and he comes in and gives us this coffee shop and he says why not call it coffee home because home is a safe place a place where people all people whether it's the adults or the kids in the home can walk through and just be accepted for who they are, where they are, faults and all, and where growth can happen and continue. And so that's what we wanted for Trail Youth Coffee Home. And we started it. And that's why we called it a home. So our mission for Trail Youth Coffee Home stems from brokenness. Brokenness in a person's life. And so our mission is to remove the labels and restore value so that way kids can go on to reach their full potential. Again, I'm a person of faith. So God brought my brokenness and the brokenness of other people 
to come and surround and help build the trail youth. And he has brought something so beautiful out of that brokenness. I just wanted to share that story with you. But I just feel that this is very important now that we've been established now for a year that people understand the backstory of trail youth and how this came to be. Those kids, that's the name that they gave themselves was trail youth. And that's what we adopted from them um, to continue on their story and their story and their journey of hope and my journey of hope and Everyone who walks through this door has some kind of story, whether they're an adult or whether they're a teen. And we want to see brokenness healed and restored to turn into something of value that can go on to cause a ripple effect to help other people out there. And that's what our goal is. So we offer podcasting and we have the marketing team, barista team, the coffee roasting team. But I just wanted to share with you our heart my heart, my story of how this started and what our future goals and dreams are. And that is just to restore by positive affirmations. And so the next coming upcoming episodes, we're going to dive into the different topics of diversity. How are we handling diversity, um, inclusivity, tribalism, labels, effects of negative labeling, six ways to make sure the labels don't stick. And then how to turn something broken into something of beauty and something to be valued. So that's what uh, this series is all about, the heart of the home. So that way you get a good idea of Trail Youth Coffee Home. And if you haven't come here, I encourage you to check it out. We are a business. So that means you can come and get your coffee, do your homework, do your do your business work here, have your business meetings here. We do have a conference room that you can rent out as well we do corporate team building as well people can come and um, train take their team members and just have a fun time training as baristas we will do that for you Uh, just lots of different things Uh, you can rent out the coffee home so i really encourage you to really check us out on trailyouth.com see what we're up to listen to our coffee break with trail youth Pretty soon you'll be hearing from the teens. They're getting everything together and they'll be recording in the next upcoming weeks. So you'll be hearing from them eventually soon. So thank you again for joining us and come back for the next episode.